We are badly needed <laughs> and long overdue. A controversial podcast oh. about. <laughs> it's badly needed and long oh. overdue. A controversial <laughs> podcast about Cantara Springs. I'm your host, Nick Raven. It's controversial because it makes sense. <laughs> and here's Ooh. two. To my virtual left and to your little right is my co-host, Emily Lewis. Uh, how are you? Oh, jeez. I'm good, Nick. Thank you very much for asking. We're, we're broadcasting from Transylvania today. Oh. Uh, right, I'm going to stop now. That's it's fine. been a long week, apparently. <laughs> Yep, it has. Uh, this is what happens when you're without chicken wings for too long. You just... I agree. You start in the Halloween's a couple days out. Yep. And um, I haven't had a Halloween... I don't think I've had a Halloween anything in a while, but usually I'm, I'm getting to the age where I'm just getting too tired to leave the <laughs> house. For I, Halloween to me is going and buying some candy for myself... <laughs> You know, the big bag that you would pour in a bowl for someone else, mm -hmm. uh, it just goes to me, and I finish right? it off in two days, and <laughs> that's how that's how it works. Yeah, no, there's and there's so many fun things going on this weekend, because, you know, Halloween is, uh, we're recording this on Saturday. Yeah. So Halloween is Monday. Yeah. Um, the episode will actually come out on Halloween. Monday. Yeah. Um, there's so many cool things going on downtown for Halloween. <laughs> And I'm just... It's like overwhelmed, like embarrassment yeah. of riches. Yeah, I just don't really think I want to. Yeah. Honestly. I've, I've, I, 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 all right, I'm going to say this, but I don't know <laughs> if I believe it. But okay. if I lived downtown, if I weren't in basically the middle... This is basically BFE compared to downtown. Like, the, yeah. what am I going to do? Walk 10 minutes to a Walmart? and celebrate <laughs> Halloween there. Like, there's no things going on out here. Everything's a hour and a half yeah. bus ride, you know. Oh, yeah. Or downtown's, I guess, 45 minutes. But uh, I, my dream is I would just live downtown. It's like, yeah, let's go to, you know, a club or an event or whatever's going on. Um, and then just I could just walk home or bike home or whatever. But yeah. being here out in BFE in Village 7, there's nothing yeah. going on. I mean, there's churches. Well, you know, I am downtown, and I just don't want to now. <laughs> That's fair. That's entirely fair. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with my, my, you know, pre-birthday depression <laughs> that kind of kicks in. Oh yeah. And it's like, ah, oh. yes. For those of you watching, listening, my birthday is November the fourth, this coming Friday. Mm -hmm. So, if you would like to grace your favorite podcast co-host. With a little something sparkly, <laughs> special, or something that folds, you know. Uh huh. Um, I'm, it's I'm made all of for rare it. metals, you know. Yeah, something, yeah. something. Uh huh. Or you could just say hello on the YouTube or the Instagram. Oh, that like would I'm be great. 90, sound, I sound like I'm 90 years old on the YouTubes. <laughs> Are those Instagrams? If you'd like to help me celebrate my birthday, <laughs> yes, uh, on the internet, I printed out one of your videos the other day. 
I don't listen to podcasts, but I do have some 45s that are really swinging. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, don't be a dick, Nick. I'm trying not to. Rude! <laughs> Love you. Um, I know. Uh, so, <laughs> what? Are, hang on, we've got a show we're doing today. So, yes, yes, today we we've got on Joseph Shelton, he's the Democratic candidate for the uh, Colorado State Board of Education for CD5. So basically yes. the Lamborn uh, district. So we get to yep. talk to him in usual badly needed style. We get to talk about where he's from, where, not just physically, but philosophically, <laughs> where, you know, what's going on. And um, history, what he wants to do to help the district and what he would do in that role. Uh, yes. Uh, he's young. I'll say that he's loud. He's, he's very young. He's a baby, and uh, I try not to use that against him at all uh, in his interview. But uh, you know, I, I do. We do talk about yep. you know what are some fundamental things about this job, and mm-hmm. uh, so I think he did pretty pretty good. You know, answering those. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. And you know, for kind of the lack of experience, but he's very passionate, dude. So one hundred percent, which is something that we need. Yeah. We need, especially we need when it comes to, especially when it comes to education. <clears throat> God, I know. Yeah, I mean, we've we've <laughs> certainly had some very uncredentialed people uh, hopping up and serving in public positions for education, especially oh, locally like, here in Colorado Springs. Like, like, like. Ah, yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that was so scary. Oh. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, let's get to the interview. How's that sound? Uh, let's do that. All right. Joseph Shelton. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> so how's that cheese there, Emily? Very good because actually my lovely friend Courtney found some uh, little pills that I can take as soon as I start eating dairy. Uh-huh. So now I can eat all the dairy I want as long as I have a pill. Speaking of eating all the dairy that we want, Joseph Shelton, welcome. You're the candidate for Board of Education, the CD5, uh, the Democratic candidate. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing as good as I can be. Yeah. Surviving by the day. Pushing through the weeks. Yeah. How's how's it going being so close to elect that there's an election going? Did you know there's an election going on? Is I there? Did, I didn't know. Apparently so. Apparently so. People keep We're wanting supposed to, to get out the vote. vote for yeah. like, you know, by November 8th is what I've heard. I got a piece of paper that was folded up and it had a bunch of like glyphs on it next to bubbles. And uh-huh. I'm like, it, it says like, fill in these bubbles. And I'm like, just fill in all of them, right? Uh, <laughs> how's that going for you? You know, it's, it's never an easy or fun thing to do, but, uh. You know, it's been enjoyable getting to meet the community and grow grow the learning of what the needs are of the community um, and just seeing where everyone wants this area to go in the future. Joseph, you've been – okay, You're first off, and this, this is not a penalty at all, but you're really young and you've already run for a lot of offices – so what was it that, like, straight out of the womb or whatever, when you're in swaddling <laughs> clothes, where you're like, I have to run for office. I, Joseph Shelton, have to put myself on those sheets and get out there and serve the community. 
You know, it, it started off um, due to the fact that when I was in high or middle school, I'm sorry, uh, when I was in middle school, my my friends and I, we didn't get a voice for our board of education. And uh, we weren't allowed to speak really um, on an issue of when they decided they were going to close our school. And so that's where so much of it began for me is when I was told I wasn't allowed to speak or raise my voice. Mm-hmm. Um and at that time, I really saw myself and said, you know, there's something that I should do. Um, but at the time, I was only got 12 or 13, so nothing I could really do at the time. Right. And so when I, when I turned 18, I sat down with myself and I looked around and I said, okay, where am I really wanting to go in life? What do I want to do? Um, and I saw the fact that as an openly gay man, um, there wasn't much people who represented me there. Uh-huh. Uh, there wasn't much of a strong representation for the queer community inside elected offices. Um, I also saw that there, when it came to our school board to continually say time and time again that they're listening to our youth, they're hearing what our youth are saying, they're all ages above our youth. Yeah, And so that, that's where I finally sat down and said, you know what, that's where I think I need to be the most is in our school boards. Um, and that's where I think my voice was needed was in a school board and a school setting and making sure that our youth are actually getting a seat at the table mm-hmm. and are actually getting their voice heard. And our queer community, who is where a lot of issues happen in school is in the queer community, yep. um, really need to get their voices heard. And so that's what made me decide that. Um, I wanted to step up and run for a school elected a position um, and making sure that we are bringing forward our students' voices, the young voices, and the LGBT voices, and making sure that ultimately everyone is getting a seat at the table, no matter who they are, no matter their identity, no matter their age, they're getting a seat at the table and everyone's equally getting their voice heard out. So what was it about getting the, the end of school times that really kicked off this whole thing and the, and the school district not communicating with you, not wanting your voice? You know, so we went, uh, my, my fellow schoolmates and I um, and a couple teachers, um, back in 2009, I went to Irving Middle School. And 2009 was the year that Irving Middle School shut down. And so... Uh, we went to one of the school board meetings to do the typical thing of, you know, save our school for future generations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when we showed up at the board meeting, the first thing that happened was we went to go sign to speak and security stopped us and said, unless you're 18 or older, you're not allowed to speak. Uh-huh. So we're like, that's not right, but okay. We're like, you know, we're not going to argue. We're not going to fight. Um, so we said, all right, fine. Well, then we started going to the venue with, again, the typical signs of, you know, save our school, keep our school open, things like that. And, again, we were met with uh, security telling us your signs cannot come in. Mm-hmm. And so we, they said, you know, your signs are too big. They can't be in the venue. And we, we understood. We said, okay, well, can we go ahead and just leave them in the foyer for people to see? Security's like, yeah, that's totally fine. So we put them up in the foyer. Then as we went to go enter the venue, we were told – you are um, the venue is completely full and we're going to take you to an overflow section where you can watch the video live. So during the entire about two hours of the event that this had gone on, we were the only people in that venue in that overflow section. We were the only people in there. Nobody else had come in and everyone else was in the, was in the actual meeting, the conference. Nobody else was in the overflow room. Yeah. Yeah. 
you you'd been sequestered away. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so, and then once we actually got done with the whole meeting, when we were leaving, we came and found that the signs that we to- um, that we brought, they were torn up and thrown in the garbage. That wow. sucks. And so that ultimately showed me, and that said not just me, but it showed my fellow classmates and everyone else that again we don't have a voice at the table. Mm-hmm. We are not being allowed to sit at the table and have our seat and be heard and raise our voice and raise our concerns. And so, again, I wanted to see something change. At that time, again, I was probably around like 11 or 12, maybe 13 years old. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what I wanted to see change. But I knew I wanted something to change. And so that's where I said then and there that when I'm old enough, when the time comes, I'm going to step to the table and I'm going to make some sort of change. So did you grow up here? Are you from here? Did you move here? Yeah. So I'm born, born and raised here in Colorado Springs. Okay. Uh, attended Colorado Springs school district 11 from uh, grades one through 12. So yeah. there was a brief time through. when my dad was in the military. So <laughs> there was a brief time I traveled around. Um, and then I lived in California for a couple of years as well. Um, but most of my time has been spent here. Gotcha. So you, so where did, what was your elementary? Where did you graduate from ultimately? Because I'm from District so I, 11, the, like from seventh grade on. So I went to uh, James Madison Elementary School for elementary. Um, then I started at Irving Middle School in sixth grade. And like I said, that's the year that Irving shut down. Mm-hmm. And then for seventh and eighth grade, I went to North Middle School. And then for ninth through twelfth grade, I went to uh, Palmer High School, and so I graduated in May 2015. Gotcha, gotcha. So what is it about school? Is it school closures in particular, or was it the Irving School closure at that time um, that was that really got under your skin? Because, I mean, districts will come up with any number of reasons why administratively, they logistically, they have to close a school. I've never even been a part of that process. What is that process, and what? how did it really affect you? I can actually you know, tell you the process. Uh, I was on the school board of uh, for like a charter school for four years. Uh-huh. And uh, it's the process is actually stupid. It really is. It's it's it is it is so very. Uh, how do I what word do I even want to use? Um, Dumb. Again, it's it's stupid. They it's nitpicky. It's nitpicky. There was no reason for Irving to close when Irving closed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my cast actually got it, 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 took advantage of that. Um, the charter school that Cass was attending is actually in uh, Irving now. But no, there was no reason for Irving to close. Mm-hmm. It was. It was a political it was thing. Stupid. It, it was. I can't. You can't even say it was political. It, it made no sense. It made no sense. The numbers that they were trying to to show were not not accurate for what they did. They take into account so much things. And one of the biggest things that they make a decision on for when a school must come down to the, the time of being closed oh, is, uh, wow. is when, um, hang on, Emily, what happened? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. Emily, what happened? <laughs> I don't know. Just keep talking. I'm, I'm, I can still hear and, and speak, but I don't know what happened. Well, you switch with- the windows around. Hang on. We're having one of those where I became a building things. So that's pretty great. 
Yeah, that may. I don't know what. All right, Joseph. So, so Irving. Sorry, continue. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of the, one of the biggest things that they usually face closing a, a school closure on is when they look at the fact of saying test scores are not where we want them to be. Uh-huh. And you should have, this school doesn't have the best test scores in the nation. So um, they probably have the worst, even though test scores don't show anything of who any person is or any school is or anything like that. Right. And so they use that as the aspect to say when it's time to close a school. They'll say, look at it and say, you know, okay, this school has been failing a lot. Mm-hmm. They haven't been at the spot where we as a state want them. Mm-hmm. So it's time for us to step in. And that's when the state steps in and gives the options to the local school board. Yep. Um, they, they say, you know, we're going to put you on a plan. And during this plan, you have to show us that you're making a change. Mm-hmm. And from there, the school district has to do that. They get a certain amount of time to implement the plan and actually make it work. And if within that time frame, if they don't, um, if they don't get to where the state wants them at, then the state has makes a choice, um, tells them they have to make a choice. Mm-hmm. The two options, the two options they have is either the state can take over mm-hmm. and the state will step in and make all decisions or the school will can close. The school district can close down the school. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then they decided to do the latter. Exactly. They, they leave that to the <clears throat> local school district to make the decision. And in this case, the school district looked at it and said, you know what? Let's close it. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of, instead of let's fix the problems. And the thing that really annoys me is that it is so, so many times it is the, it is the schools that serve the poorer populations. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, because it, and I don't know about anybody else, but it makes sense to me that if if you've got stuff going on at home, if you you know if you can't afford school lunch, whatever else, that's going to take you out of your your learning space, right? And your ability and, to actually learn. Yeah. Well, one of the biggest things they recently just had go on with in school district eleven itself, they put uh, Mitchell High School on a four year plan. Yeah. And, Mitchell, uh, should, Mitchell it, should have been on a four year plan twenty years ago. Yeah. And the thing that that became ridiculous with it is they decided in this four-year plan, they looked at it and said, well, the best option we have now is we're going to terminate every school teacher. And if they want their job back, they have to reapply. So teachers who have been working in this school, this Mitchell High School, since some have been working in there since the 80s, some in the 90s. Some have given their life and dedication to Mitchell High School. Mm -hmm. And this is how School District 11 repaid them. And saying we're going to terminate all of you and start from step one and start from fresh again. Yeah, yeah. which is and you know, crap. You know and it, didn't, it didn't do enough for the school district. Um, you know, while yes, it did show improvements, it's ultimately say putting the blame all on the teachers when the teachers aren't the one to blame. No, the way a teacher teaches does not show in testing. The way a nope. student learns does not show in testing. The way nope. a school district does their jobs and everything, and the schools do their work. It does not get shown in testing. And that's the way it's been treated for too long is that the testing shows who every person is. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It absolutely doesn't. Um, my, my oldest was like me. Um, they were very good at test taking. Um, my youngest is not good at test taking. Um, so you look at, you look at those standardized scores and, and 
you know, the, the first thought is, oh, well, this kid needs, needs some extra help or whatever else. Um, no, my kid is very, very bright and retains this information. They just don't test well. Yeah. You're teaching to the test. That's it sounds like you're really busy there. Like some stuff's going on. <laughs> yeah, they just closed out a play, so. Oh. Ah. <laughs> oh, fantastic. They're doing a Rocky Horror Picture Show here. Oh. I know. I saw that. They're great. So you're getting out of high school. You're figuring at 18. You're trying to figure out what you need to do to, to change. What's your first choice then? Are you like, I got to go to school to administrate? I got to figure this thing out. Or I've got to dive into the books and figure out how the system works. Like, wh what's your path from there? You know, originally, once I got out of high school, my biggest thing is I said, I'm going to I'm going to go to college. Mm -hmm. And I started at college. Um and then it came time for that tuition bill to come out. And I said, uh, yeah, I can't do college. Right. Um, and so I pulled from being in college. Um, and I, I have full intentions of going back to school eventually. Um, but I pulled because I could not afford it. And so from there, I first ran for the Colorado Springs School District 11 Board of Education in 2019. Mm -hmm. Um and I was just freshly 21 years old about, and I had no idea what I was doing at the time. You know, I, I will be honest when I first ran for the school board in 21, not 20, 2019, um, it was again running because I wanted to bring forward the voice of the queer community. I wanted to bring forward the voice of young people. And that's what I ran on. Mm -hmm. yep. And it was great. It brought forward a lot of voices. It brought, brought forward a lot of change, but it also did not give me the victory I hoped on. Uh -huh. um, I actually came in seventh out of eighth place in that election. But one of the biggest things I did is the night of the election um, in 2019, I called the people who won. Um, if I didn't see them in person, I called them on the phone and I told them, you know, congratulations on your victory. Uh, and... Once I spoke with them on the phone, one of the school board members I spoke with, uh, they said, Joseph, can I give you a recommendation? I said, please. And she said, join committees. Learn about what we do in the district. Come to the school board meetings. Learn about what the school district and the school board is doing. They, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we got you back. Uh, so learn about it and so i took that i did i joined the mill levy override oversight committee for school district 11 and then i joined the committee um the juvenile justice and delinquency prevention council for the state of colorado mm -hmm. yep and i found a lot of things different that i never thought of when i ran for the school board in 2019 in 2019 and so i ran again in 2021 um and Unfortunately, my petition was deemed invalid to get on the ballot, which, Why? I'll be honest, I was okay with. Why was that? Not being on the ballot. Um, only because I did just start a new job. And I was like, you know, trying to run for office plus doing a new job, that's going to be a lot on my plate. Why was the petition and, ruined, ruled invalid? I'm sorry? Why was the petition ruled invalid? Um, so I turned in my petition the day that it was due. Uh -huh. And one of the requirements they have is you have to turn in a petition with 50 signatures or more. Yeah. And um, depending on how many pe people are on the ballot. Um, so in my case, I was originally running for a two-year seat. 
So only um, a petition can be turned in with only um, one signature on each. So if that makes sense, what I'm saying. Um, so pretty yeah. much um, you guys could not sign someone else's petition and sign my petition. It has to be exclusive. So if they had oh. signed other people's so petitions. When I turned in my, my petition, um, they started counting it. And I turned in my petition with probably about 56 signatures. And when they counted it, they said um, they got through about 10 signatures. And about, uh, I think they said seven of those signatures were already on other petition, on, the, on another petition. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So therefore, my petition was deemed to be invalid. And I was told that I couldn't run. And I, is- they told me, you know. They told me you can, if you want, you can go through the legal process and you can sue your way onto the ballot. Um, but I didn't feel one. I didn't feel like that was right. Right. Um, I didn't feel like it was right for me to say, you know, um, that the only way I got on the ballot is because the court stepped in and said I could be on the ballot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that, and then, like I said, too, I just started a new job. So I said, you know, I'm okay with how it ended. I'm okay that I lost. Um, it's not the end of the world. Um, I take it as it comes and I'm going to focus on my new job and then I'll come back stronger in another election, Yeah, you know, and that brought me to where I was now, where I decided to run for the state board of education. And, you know, originally um, when I stepped up to run for this seat, um, I did have some people who, who backfired against me, who said they didn't want me to run. They didn't want a person who like me um, running. And they, I was told by multiple people, um, not going to name names, but I was told by multiple people on the county level who are the heads of the county level that they've already got someone who's running and maybe I should just sit back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I originally, I, I made a commitment um, before I announced my campaign. Um, I actually spoke with the campaign manager of the person who was originally supposed to run against me. And, uh, he asked me, he said, you know, can you hold off announcing your campaign for a little bit of time and can you meet my candidate? And I respectfully agreed. I said, okay, I, I will postpone my announcement. I said, but you know, I have to make it clear. I'm not going to postpone for a long time. Yeah. Because as everybody knows, the one of the biggest moneymakers is when you make your announcement. Yeah. yeah. And so I told him, I said, I'm not going to postpone my announcements too long, but I will postpone for a little bit. Sure. And so I did. I, I postponed my campaign announcements. And um, later on, um, I went to go meet with the candidate. And unfortunately, the candidate camp came down with COVID. Mm-hmm. And so the campaign manager and I met and we spoke. And uh, I told him, I said, I still want to meet your candidate. Um, and so we planned on doing another meeting. And a few days after that meeting, I emailed the campaign manager. And I said, look. I'm sorry, but I have to make my announcement. Yeah, I can't wait any longer. Yeah. I said, and when I make this announcement, I want it to be clear. My announcement is not being made against the candidate, other candidate. I have nothing against the person who was going to run against me. I said, that's the first thing I want to make clear. Second thing I want to make clear is whether I win or lose this announcement or my campaign, whether I win or lose the primary, I am okay with however it goes. I am not going to sit here and throw a tissy fit and say that I should have been the candidate. If I, if I lost against my primary opponent, I would back them and I would go with them. And so I did tell them, you know, respectfully, I do need to make my announcement though. Mm -hmm. And so I did make my announcement 
And uh, actually about a week later, I got an email from the campaign manager saying, thank you for letting me know about this. We have decided we are not going to run for this race and we are withdrawn. Mm-hmm. And so I was the only candidate. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you easy winning a phone run up against yourself, you know? Yeah. yeah. So what did you um, bone yeah. up on in order to get, you know, because you, you had two runs for district 11, that board, and mm-hmm. they advise you to get involved with the committees and learn what that position is. So what was your homework like getting used to run for the state board? Cause that's obviously a whole other ball game. You know, I will honestly say when I stepped up for the state board, I did not know what I was getting into. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sounds you like know, a trend there, Joseph. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. It, 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 it is a lot of learning. And I will say I'm still learning about a lot of it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's things that I said when I first announced my camp, my campaign that um, I said for a long time. And it took someone who was in the education community longer than me to step forward and say, Hey, you've got your information all wrong. Here's how this is done. Yep. Uh-huh. I've always told people when I've met for endorsement meetings, when I met for other things, when people said, you know, what do you want from us? I said, you know, first of all, let me say this. I am not going to be that type of elected official or candidate who says the buck stops with me and that my way is the highway. Mm-hmm. I want people to come forward and tell me, you've got the wrong idea. Now let's talk about it. And I want people to educate me on things because there is no uh, elected official who who's always going to be right on the issue and right mm-hmm. on the money. Sure. And so when I, when I stepped forward for this race, like I said, I did not know what I was getting into. Um, and this was I last year? I was, uh, I what did you announce? January, in January, January 22. Okay. And so I, when I announced mm-hmm. my campaign, I thought it was going to be as easy as the the, my local school board mm-hmm. you know i thought it was gonna be I'm going out and shaking hands and talking about doing some forums talking to community members things like that and then i'm like later on i'm looking at it and i'm like okay there's a lot more door knocking i gotta do there's a lot more phone banking i gotta do there's a lot more yeah uh, community meetings i gotta do like i'm like it's it's not as easy as i think it is gonna be um, but at the same time, I'm also a person who's always been willing to take on the challenge. You know, I'm okay stepping up to the plate and having to learn things the hard way. Um, because in my opinion, if you don't, le- if you learn things the easy way, if it's just a, if it's not something that you're kind of getting the slap in the face on, mm-hmm. then you're not learning from it. Sure. You're not yeah. going. And so I love learning things the hard way. I love having <laughs> someone come to me and say, you got this all wrong. Uh-huh. Now I'll tell you why. Sure. Because you know, some people say, Oh, that's embarrassing. That's <laughs> wrong. Like, is it kind of embarrassing? Yeah, it can be sometimes. But you know what? At least you grow from it. Yep. Yeah. You know? You know, and it's that same thing of like, you know, there's that toddler who they act out in public and the toddler ends up getting embarrassed in one way or another. Well, now, guess what? That toddler, well, I guess not toddler, but... Uh, I was going to say, are you calling yourself a toddler? Because they don't want to be. They don't want to get embarrassed, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I'm okay making those mistakes. I'm okay learning from them. You know, as long as it's not a major mistake, which none of my mistakes have been major. Um, I have learned from them. I've grown with them. And I've had that community by my side. Oh, so you know, and I'm happy with where I've gone with it. So okay. what, what are the big issues? What... 
is uh, what are the big issues with District 11 in Colorado Springs? Um, obviously, you're coming at this from um, a youthful, um, openly gay candidate stance where you feel that th- that group has not been adequately addressed. Absolutely. Um, and that's has a huge, <laughs> and that's a huge heckin' deal. Um, but what are also some of the issues that you want to address? Should you make it to the state board of education and how do you see that affecting what goes on here in Colorado Springs? Yeah, definitely. So first of all, I want to make sure we are making an education system. So my, my top three issues are these. First, I want to make sure we're building an education system that prepares our students for a future they want to attain. Not a yes, future we're telling them that they need to attain. Mm-hmm. You know, too much in our education system today. Does it come down to people always like when you talk to counselors or teachers or principals or any of those people, when a student talks to them, too many times has it been, you want to succeed? You need to go to college. Yeah, four yeah. year college or nothing. But that's not the case. Yeah. You know, so I want to make sure we are building an education system that is focused on our students' needs. You know, so if they want to go to college, heck, let's prepare them for college. Sure. But if they want to go and get a, if they want to go and become a plumber, let's help them get their plumbing license before they graduate high school. If they want to become a welder, let's help them get their welding license before they graduate high school, whatever they want to do with their life. Mm-hmm. Let's help them get those licensures before they graduate. So then by the time they graduate, they can walk out those doors and they could say, you know what? I know what I'm doing with my life and I'm ready to do it with my life. Mm-hmm. They're not get, walking out. They're not saying, okay, I'm graduated high school. Great. Now what am I going to do? Are there yeah. limitations then to what like trades and stuff can be taught at a high school level? Like obviously in high school, you've got some schools that are, you, you have the vocation program where so you're in the, the garage and working with cars and stuff like that. Do you know what schools can do in that regard to build that? And are there things beyond trades um, that like beyond just like career placement, I guess, um, like more college, I mean, <laughs> like college light or advanced placement. And Emily, you are like crooked, like you're slipped I'm, it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you got Dude, it. Okay, yeah. we have picture. That's all we're getting. <laughs> That's what we're going to get. Wherever I wander off to, you know, it's, it's fine. All it's right, fine. Joseph. So, you know, one of the biggest things I can say is uh, when Wasson High School closed down in School District 11, they turned it into the Wasson Academic Center. Mm-hmm. And it does a lot of what um, I want to see. They do trade license programs. Mm-hmm. They do programs that are preparing students for a future they want to attain. Yep. And that's where the focus needs to be on, programs like that. You know, does it have to be inside the school? Not necessarily. But I do want to see where we are being able to accept as many students as possible instead of saying we're only going to accept the small group as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the biggest hurdles I've heard with these types of programs is they can't afford to accept more than five or 10 students. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, almost, I would say like maybe 200 students, maybe even more want to be in these programs. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so when we're sitting down and saying, Oh, we're only going to accept these five to 10 students out of these 200 applicants. That doesn't benefit all the students. No. And so, um, and a lot of it comes down to, again, the budgeting cost. They can't afford to bring in more than those students. 
And so I want to be able to make sure we are budgeting into a state account that it's taking it and furthering these programs more, that it's funding these programs more. And then it's not only funding these programs more, it's funding them in areas that we don't even see upon. So the urban schools where they don't have these type of programs, you know, yeah, great that we're putting them into schools that have thousands of students. Excuse me. Uh, it's great that we're putting it in program in schools that have thousands of students and can afford it, but it's not great when we're skipping out on the urban schools that can't afford it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we need to be making sure that we're reaching out to every single school, and that's actually comes to my one of my third my <clears throat> third biggest issue that I want to work on, which is actually I want to be balancing our budget across all school districts. So, so currently, our budget system. Our budget system is set up where it's accounted for every single student. And they say, oh, you um, by they do a student count day every year. Yeah. And by the amount of students who show up, that's they get a certain amount of funding for each student. Right. Yep. But that doesn't work out for every single school district again. No. There's some school districts, they have thousands of students, which means they're getting millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Great. But then there's some school districts that only have hundreds of students. Yeah. Some even some even in the low hundreds, and they're only getting a small thousand. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's it's not fair to them because that's not taking into account what they need. We have schools that are falling apart at the at the walls. Right. We have schools that the 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 they don't have proper ACs. We have schools that don't have an adequate amount of bus drivers. We have schools that have so many issues going on and the way that the school districts are being funded is not helping. And so I want to make sure we are taking it. We are, I I would like to make it where we can break down that budget somehow, where we could say you get money by the amount of school, this amount of students and actually build it out where the schools equally are getting a good amount of money, you know, Mm -hmm. making it where they're equally getting funded, where they're equally getting supported. It's not fair to say, you know, school district 11, you have this thousands of students. So you're getting millions of dollars while school district, whatever, you only have 200 students. So you're getting about a hundred thousand dollars. Good luck with you. Good luck spending that money this year. Right. Yep. And there's well, and even, even the amount of money that, uh, you know, district 11 gets, it's still not enough. Um, and exactly. like, so I'm looking. I'm looking at at your uh, your website right now, and I did not realize that your that District Five covers twelve separate school districts, mm-hmm. from the really rural ones, you know, to D11 and D2, and and twenty and yeah, Monument all of, and yeah, all of all <clears throat> of those. Because um, I think for me, the, the the biggest question would be really. The decisions to get made for, you know, um, for District 20 and and District 11 and all that kind of stuff, there's going to be things that there's going to be a significant pushback with these rural schools. Or from the rich schools that are like, no, we're going to have our, you know, our cricket team this year. The thing with the rich schools is so much of their money actually comes from parents that's why, well, you know, look at the it, property taxes. Like you get those exactly. ha- McMansions up there. Mm-hmm. 
You know, yeah, when you've got yeah. these 50, 60-year-old homes in District 2 versus these McMansions up on uh-huh. Flying Horse. I mean, that's that's yeah. your well, disparity that's, there. Yeah, and that's that's a big part of it, too. But it's, because, um, you know, I don't know. It For me, it would be a daunting task knowing that there are going to be districts who are looking at, you know, what we're doing here in the big old city um, and are going to there's going to be significant pushback. Yeah. Um, you know, cause these are kids. I had uh, my, my ex-husband's nieces and nephews all went to school out there in Ellicott, Peyton kind of area. Right. The um, Falcon was at 49s out there. Yeah. Uh-huh. And but see, here's one of the other things though, along with it is these schools that aren't being adequately funded when they're not getting the funding that they need, mm-hmm. what do they do? They go out and say, okay, community, Time yep. to come together and time yep. for you to, you need a mill levy override. We need right. you, we need you to vote on adding. First of all, let's just say thank you, Tabor. But they said, we need more money. We need more, we need more, we need more. And the fact of the matter is, and that's what's bringing on these other school districts as well, is they sit there and they look at it and they say, they're like Academy School District 20. They don't have to sit there and beg 24-7. Do they beg every now and then for money? Yes, obviously. Every school district begs now and then. Yeah. But they don't have to beg like every other school district does. And so the fact that what they do is they go out and they that's what they tell people, you know, do you really want to move into school district 11's area where they have asked for mill levy override every couple of years? Do you really want to be in that school district? And that's what's making people move into other districts. Mm-hmm. That's why people are moving away because there's these people, these realtors coming in and trying to get rich off of what other school districts are doing. And they bring yep. that out. They say that stuff, you know, well, school district 11 has asked for a mill levy this many times and they raise your taxes this many times. And they take your money this many times while school district 20, on the other hand, they haven't asked for a mill levy in this many years and they can fund their schools and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. It comes down to that. And, you know, again, it needs to come. I believe it needs to come to an equal ground. You know, do I want to see school districts beg for money? No, I don't. But it comes down to an equal ground of all the school districts being able to adequately say, you know, well, while school district 11 has had this many mill levy overrides, we've had about the same as well. We well, had not all those. But well. not all those mill levy overrides go through like a number of it exactly. seems like half. Uh, I'm just just gut feeling here, but it seems like half the mill every overrides don't go through. And then they have to do what, you know, sell more cookies or, or whatever to get their 60 year old buildings, air conditioning yes. and stuff <laughs> like that. So, I mean, beyond I mean, you're talking about redistribution of wealth, essentially, from these, you know, dis, from D20 districts like D20 or Cherry mm-hmm. Hit Creek or wherever to di- redistribute statewide to these rural ones like 49 or two or what have you. But then there's also that glass ceiling because of Tabor. So as yeah. a state board of like, how do you, it, it's one thing to want, want these things, but like, how do you actually do that? And in your role as on the board of education, how do you affect that change when, without like basically legislative approval? It's going to have to come to that, honestly. It has to come to the legislative approval, honestly. And unfortunately, that's the honest fact is there's – I know for a fact that there's nothing I can fully say of, well, we're going to go in there and we're going to change the budget system. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's laid into the state law how the budget system is laid out. Yeah. But if if it's just me as a state school board member standing up and making that change, that's enough people to me. But mm-hmm. I believe without a doubt, if one school board, state school board member stands up and says, we need this, other school boards are going to step in as well and say, he's right, we do need this. The communities in those areas are going to step up and say, he's right, we need this. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a giant push on our state legislators to say, we need this. We need a law change. Mm-hmm. Yep. We need it where the schools are adequately being funded on all ends. It shouldn't be left to the top 100 school districts to be fully funded. Yep. It needs to be broken down to other areas. <laughs> so it's, it is going to honestly come down to pushing our state legislators. And that's another reason why this November we need to elect Democrats across the state legislations mm-hmm. because they're going to be the ones who are going to stand with it as well and say, you're right, we do need a change. Yep. Yeah. So what are there? So you've got funding, you've got um, training for post you know, secondary education in that. What other issues are you are are really are you really passionate about, especially in a well, statewide my, capacity? So my my set, it's my second thing I usually go with when I announce my top three issues. But my my big, uh, one of the other biggest things is I want to make sure we're paying our teachers a fair and livable wage that they can actually work off of. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, and again, this is another thing that comes down to the legislation having to help us. Um, The sad part is, is recently they just did a poll across all 50 states and they asked teachers there, you know, how much are you paid? How much is being paid? And they came up with um, a sum in each state. And the state of Colorado pays teachers the worst Mm -hmm. this year in 2022. They pay teachers the worst out of all 50 states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and there's there's all these school districts saying, well, you know, we pay our teachers great. School District 11 here in Colorado Springs, they are one of the top paying school districts in the state of Colorado. Yep, which is great. interesting because you go by their schools and it's like hiring help. We need people. Exactly. Come on. But yep. you know, they're one of the best paying school districts in the state. While at the same time, though. It's it's hard to be saying it's hard to be saying that honestly that yep. they're one of the best paying districts, which means there's other districts in this state who aren't paying well and aren't supporting our teachers well, and that's the bottom that's the bottom line and the bottom fact is we need to be paying our teachers a fair and livable wage and not only paying them that fair and livable wage, but making sure to account to that livable wage throughout the year when the people can the when the economy continues to grow. Mm-hmm. When the cost of living continues to grow, right. we need yep. to be continuing to support our teachers on a yearly basis, not just a, well, we're going to give you a raise this year, and then let's talk in another 15, 20 years about what we're going to go ahead and do. Yeah. Right. Right. Especially with the recent inflation. I mean, inflation's been tamed for a long time, and they could, <laughs> could kind of get away with it, but um, it, with, with the way things have been in, since COVID, it's just been... a hell of a nightmare oh yeah in that regard all of it is is insane yeah so what 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 does someone do on the state board of education so again we're so we're basically the top uh board across the state of colorado yeah and so ultimately we when when the state legislature steps in and creates laws um pertaining to education we're the ones who kind of 
implement that into the school districts and we say this is how it needs to be put in place. Um, we decide on the standards for many of the education systems across the state of Colorado, um, such as the most recent controversy that was going on in our State Board of Education of the social studies standards. Mm-hmm. Um, we decided on the standards um, in many different areas of education. Um, we, uh, we, we fight, um, I, well, I won't say fight, but we, we push for state laws um, that should be put in place, um, and we advocate for state laws that should be put in place. Um, we, whenever a school falls into, again, what they call the uh, failing status, mm-hmm. uh, we're the ones who set up the plan with the school district. Um, and making a decision on where it should go. And it also comes down to the line of we um, make decisions on um, if we believe that a school district is a school board is failing. um, The school board, believe it or not, as bad as this sounds, the school, the state school board can make a decision that they're going to step in and take over as the authority board of that school district. Mm -hmm. And so we are the ones when, uh, that happens. We, we step in and we take authority of the school district in the times of need. Um, and then we also, lastly, um, we set up, uh, we, we, we do a lot of the, ta- the, the state, excuse me, standardized testings, and we make decisions based on that. Uh, different areas like that. We work in different areas of the budget um, that's constrained to us. Um, uh-huh. We also hear out um, debates for charter schools. If a school district denies a charter school, um, the state board of education hears and can hear an appeal from the charter school. Sure. And the state board of education can then make a decision of, yes, you should be a charter school or no, you shouldn't. And yeah. what the state board of education says goes. So yeah. the state board of education says, yep, you can be a charter school. Well, you're a charter school now. Okay. Yeah. What, what can the state board of education do about um, <clears throat> citizen activists? getting on boards and, and um, you know what I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking about. Um, uh-huh. What can the State Board of Education do about something like that? You know, there's not, unfortunately, when it comes to after um, elected officials, there's mm-hmm. not much that a board can do. Um, but we do bring down to the accountability of communities, um, accountability of school boards. You know, when actions are taken out, um, when members of the board are acting out of place, we do have we don't have an authority to say, well, you're done with your position now. Um, but we do have the authority to step in and say, you know, that was inappropriate of you. And maybe we should work together to see where how we're going to fix this. Like a reprimand. Um, exactly. We do have that authority to step in and push for change. Yeah. Um, when a school district doesn't when a school district doesn't want to do anything and they want to just say, do the little slap on the hand and say, don't do it again. Yeah. Yeah. We have the power to step in and say, you know, this needs something more and it should be held in further accountability. Right. Um, Cause I know some people would take a slap on the wrist as, as a victory. Like, yeah, I got their ire. Uh, the, the, the deep state board of education, Joseph (laughs) Shelton's coming for me because I'm speaking out my values, just trying to protect the traditional American family, you know? Mm hmm. Well, well, what I well, what I find what I hilarious, say, Emily. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Joseph. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, like I said, when it comes down to it, um, depending where the school, the state school board finds the school, the school district is landing. If we believe that a school district is failing the school district as a whole, 
we do have the authority to step in and say we are taking over authority of this school district until the school the school board can come up with a plan that we agree upon that we say is a right plan for the school district is a right plan for the students and staff in the community of that district we could step in and take over authority as and act as the um, the governing mm-hmm. body of that school district yeah no i was going to say uh going back to you know some of the 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 people that got elected to school boards what i find amusing is the fact that the most, honestly, the most problematic member of Colorado Springs District 11 school board actually had his schools closed down by the state. <laughs> yeah, so it's the state calling oh. for him for them um, over and over. Uh, it's uh-huh. just a vast conspiracy. They're trying to turn the frogs gay or something. I don't know. It's, it's just yeah, like, no. Um, <laughs> Was, <laughs> I just gotta say, don't, don't, don't say whatever trying to turn frogs gay because you'll hear that and he'll believe it. Yeah, I know. Right? God. Ah. Uh, no, well, no, no. Well, thankfully, it's my word, and I'm not running for state board of education. <laughs> right. So, have you been out to the rural districts? Have you been out to you know, um, Teller County and 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 all that? Like, because obviously, you know, when you're in District 11, you have a certain, or even you know, just in the Colorado Springs area, you have kind of a a view of what education is, but as soon as you get to like Calhan and stuff like that, like when you're, mm-hmm. you're graduating classes, 30 people, uh, yeah. that changes and the values are different there. So yes, have you been are. able to go out on the road and like, just see what it's like to be in the rest of district five? You know, so I, in my former employment, um, when I worked for inside out youth services, I took travels out there. Um, and I did see a lot of stuff that I'm like, this is, surprising uh-huh. um you know and i i did hear um in running for the state school board i honestly will say i have not made my way out there um but i have had like meetings over zoom with the people in that area uh-huh. and spoke with them about the needs that they want um and you know when i brought up that like in my top three priorities when i brought those up to them a lot of them nine times out of ten looked at me and said that's exactly what our school needs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When we're, when we're you know, especially when I started saying about equalizing the budget, yeah, a lot of a lot of those urban school districts looked at it and said, "Yes, please, that's yeah. what we need." What do rural um, districts need? Besides, I mean, you obviously better teacher pay the the usual, but what do rural districts need that like District Eleven doesn't? <laughs> what they need mainly right now that District Eleven doesn't is right. they um, better pay of teachers is they need better funding. Um, you know, while, while school district 11, their schools, some of their schools are going without ACs. Um, some of their schools have other issues. The schools out in these rural districts have it a lot worse. Um, where again, like I said, there's, there's some school districts where school districts out in there where their bathrooms are being locked down every other week because something's going on with the piping system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or they freeze. Uh, there's or they, they times do that. where I've heard about. <laughs> there, there's times where I've heard about uh, the water fountains coming out with brown water mm-hmm. because things aren't up to date out there. Those are the issues they have out there. The infrastructure and, and stuff. They really need fixing upon. I'm sure transportation's a big deal out there when you've got sending buses across miles and miles of 
freaking roads out there. Yeah. I have to say, you know, it, it, the busing issue is a major issue across not only in urban districts, but it's a it's a problem in every single school district right now. Many of them are going without, cannot, they don't have enough bus drivers. Um, you know, I attended a school district 11 board meeting last year, I want to say sometime. And president of the board, Parth Malpakum, or no, I'm sorry, not Parth, um, but uh, one of the staff members for school district 11, I Glenn Gustafson is his name. He used to be a uh, lead for school district 11, one of the top people. And uh, he told the board seriously that uh, he sees in 10 years, 10 years down the road, that the only students who are going to be bused to school will be the special needs students. That they do, he, he does not, because of the bus driver shortage that we've been having a lot lately, mm-hmm. he does not see that we are going to be able to bus every single student into school anymore. And that the only people that they will be busing is special needs students. Wow. And the, the sad part about that is when they said that, this does come down to the Parthma Pakam, the president of the D11 Board of Education. His comment was, and I quote, well, that's 10 years down the road, so that's not something we need to worry about right now. Oh, no. Kicking the can down the road. Oh, no. No, that exactly. is definitely something that needs to be worried about now. Yeah. Exactly. And it, it comes down to the case of if we take care of it right now, we don't have to worry about 10 years down the road. Yeah. It shouldn't be a, something where we're come, we're waiting until we reach the stop sign to start stopping the car. But yeah. Joseph, students can learn from home. They have the internet and laptops. Uh. They don't need to go to school. Why? What's? They don't need buses, Joseph. Why do you keep pushing for, for buses, man? Because ninety percent, ninety percent of the kids do not learn well on the computer. What? Well, let me say this. Let's let's make the claim that we're going to say we're going to eliminate buses altogether, and everyone's going to learn from home. Yeah, the problem is, first of all, <laughs> for in school schools, at least here, let me take the, the example of saying school district level. Sure. At least 5%, maybe even more now, but last time I checked, 5% of their students in school district 11 are homeless in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. At least 20% last time I checked do not have access to internet at home. Yep. Which means we're putting these students at risk. And that was one of the biggest things I stood on during COVID of saying, where are we supporting these students who can't get the internet? Yeah, yeah, it's great that we are handing students laptops and tablets and iPads and whatever else. Yeah, it's great that we're supplying these needs, but that's not supporting the student who does not have access to internet. No. You know, saying, well, they can go to a coffee shop. They can go to the library. Well, God forbid because we know eventually it's going to happen. Let's just lay that down in wood right now. We are going to eventually sometime in the future, we are going to have another pandemic. Yep. Sure. It just, it's, it's just a matter of time. Yeah. It's the truth. But the matter of the fact is, is if we come down to a pandemic like that we had, like with COVID and we have the fact that we have to shut, close down schools again, we need plans in place that we are supporting our students to mm-hmm. have proper internet. It's not enough to say you can go to the library. Well, the libraries might be closed down too. It's yeah. not enough to say you can go to a coffee shop. The coffee shops might be closed down too. What are we doing to support our students who are in need? Because that by that time in the future, 
that 20% without internet access right now mm-hmm. is, I guarantee you, is going to be sitting at 30 to 45% of students yeah. who are going to have without internet <clears throat> access. Right. While, we, while I could sit here and I could say, thankfully, I am privileged in my life to say I have internet access at home. There is a good amount of students who are not privileged enough to say they have internet access at home. Yeah. Right. Um, just a, a real quick, uh, if you're listening, watching, whatever, um, <clears throat> you can go through Xfinity and they offer a $9.95 a month internet access right. for, for low-income families. If you <laughs> qualify for SNAP benefits, uh, you qualify for this this benefit. Right. And no, we are not sponsored by Xfinity, but you know what? I've got Hi, some Xfinity. words. I'm, I've got some words for Xfinity. Trust me. <laughs> I've got some more and Comcast too. Okay. I got some words for them as well, but okay. I mean, I, I'm just saying, I mean, I can understand uh, pandemic has changed how we learn, how we work in that. And it's nice to, you know, the, there are people who are absolutely advocates for working from home, but educating from home is very, very different. And even though I did yes, not care for high school is. in the slightest, uh, there was a value in going to the building every day. Mm. Otherwise, I pro- I wouldn't have dropped out. It would have been the shame of the family, but it would have been it. It, I, it would have been a miserable well, time. Kids get students get out of going to school every day. Is they do or not every day? Excuse me. They don't go to school on the weekends, but yeah, um, thankfully, those, those who go to school, one of the biggest things they get out of this is they some of them do get breakfast and lunch mm-hmm. and that's the only some for some of them that is the only meal they get during the school for during yep. the school week right god forbid what's going to be happening to them on the weekend you know <clears throat> um but for some of them that they only are getting those healthy meals when they go to mm-hmm. school which is why i just got to throw this out there vote yes on it, uh proposition ff yeah <laughs> no i'm 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 right there i'm yep. right there with you absolutely so what, okay, what are before, the, go before ahead, you say anything, Nick. Yeah, go ahead. Don't talk about anything interesting. I will be right back. I am out of. Oh, you're ju- I'm, get your I'm meal. Drinkless. Get that. I'm drinkless. You get go grab. <clears> and we know drink. that doesn't go out. That doesn't go over well. Start coughing like a maniac. Yeah, don't. So do I'll that. be right back. All right, all right. Uh, Joseph, let's talk a um a second here. What are the next steps? Like you get into. Uh, office or so and i don't know what that what that polling uh is like especially since it is cd the, the district of lamborn uh that's it every candidate we've talked to it's obviously an uphill battle against republicans conservatives whatever you whatever words you want to assign um so what what does the race look like and then what's next it's exactly that honestly it's an uphill battle uh-huh. um Thankfully, so many people, both Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, every single party affiliation that I've spoken to, has when I speak to them, they say the same thing. They'll ask me, who's your opponent? And when I tell them my opponent is Steve Durham, they look at me and they say, who? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, he's been on the state board for the last eight years. And they're like, wait, what? I said, yeah, he's been on the the board for the last eight years and i'm like but that's the and i tell them that's the bad part about this you don't know who your elected official is 
Right. And it's I, not a very publicized say, position. It's not. But let me say, I, I've got to brag on this a little bit. Um, this year, Steve Durham actually almost had a primary opponent. His primary opponent did not make it through the uh, caucus. Uh-huh. Uh, so he did not get the nomination or get onto the primary ballot. But once his primary opponent dropped out of the race, his primary opponent emailed me through Twitter and said, Joseph, I agree with you. Steve Durham is not doing his job correctly. So I, keeping in my mind, a Republican, am endorsing you and I'm supporting you and I'm standing behind you. That's cool. That's cool. You know, and so that's, that's one of the biggest things about this race is – I'm not making a, this a race about saying democratic values only. You know, right. one of yeah. the biggest things um, I've said while running on this race is I don't think that school-related offices should be a partisan action. Nope. Right. It shouldn't be I'm Democrat, you're Republican. It should be about what's important for the future of our youth. Right. And so that's been what I've been running on. And so th- thankfully, there's been a lot of people who have enjoyed what I've had to say in that in that regard. There's been a lot of people who have stood behind me and said, if I'm willing to hear everybody out, that they're willing to work with me on it. Um, you know, and one of the biggest promises I've made is that once I am elected in November, I'm not waiting until January to when I get sworn in to start getting to work. I've made yep. the promise that once I'm elected on November 8th, beginning November 9th, I'm com- creating a community council, which will be comprised of Republicans, Democrats, uh, independents, libertarians, of any, any political affiliation. It's going to be comprised of them. It's going to be comprised of students, teachers, parents. It's going to be ret- uh, of retired teachers, of retired affiliates. Um, it's going to be made up of urban community members to suburban to the city people to the whatever community you come from this community council is going to be made up of everyone of every background and they are going to have a seat at the table and they are going to give their voice they're going to be able to give their voice and that's one of the biggest promises i've made on this race is that i want to make sure everyone's being heard out because everyone deserves a chance to be heard out i don't care what their affiliation is when it comes to education I may, again, I may be taking something wrong and I want to hear from some people saying you're wrong. Yep. And then I want to hear, let's, let's talk about it and hear why you think I'm wrong and let's build a plan of what we're going to do to make sure I'm doing something right. Yep. How do you energize people to get involved with that? How do you say, I want to do this thing. I want to bring in all these people. And then it's like school district, something or what? And then three people show up. Like, how do you get people excited about this and why it's a big deal when it seems like only the most ardent uh vote and vocal are the ones who participate and i and i realize that's true across all politics too is like only the people who participate win right but in particular to education like i remember you had that uh um that the the meeting with uh the new superintendent at district 11 and unfortunately it was like Kind of, like no one was engaged at all. So how do you mm-hmm. energize people to this is their, your kid's future. Or this is other kids future. Well, don't tell them it's other kids future. They don't care. Well, I'm trying to change that, Emily. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it, the number one thing is, um, again, talking to these people and saying, you know, <laughs> you get energized and saying how 
you know, oh, CRT shouldn't be teached, which by the way, it's not taught in school. But right. you sit here and say oh, CRT is, isn't being teached, but you're not coming to the table and telling us what you want done. Yep. You're just sitting there going to the school board meetings and screaming at the top of your lungs that this needs to be eliminated, but you're not actually sitting at the table and talking with them. You're just screaming and shouting. Right. So it's a matter of telling people, you know, if you want change made, let's actually sit at the table together. You know, I guarantee you, if I, as a Democrat, am to be elected, I guarantee you that many Republicans are going to want to sit at the table because they're going to want to sit down with me. And every single time I make a decision, whether good or bad, they're going to want a, a good majority of them are going to want to sit there and say, you did this wrong. You yeah. didn't do what I wanted and you did this wrong. And so there's going to be a good majority, I guarantee you, of Republicans who are going to want to take part in this. I think my hard part is going to be getting those other people to the table who want to bring forth these issues. But again, it's doing exactly that, telling them, I want to hear your issues. I want to hear from the students. I want to hear from the teachers, which I want. I would hope that those are the ones I'm making the decisions on behalf of them mainly. Mm-hmm. I would hope those are the ones who want to be at the table, the, the, be at the, the front of the table. Yep. You know? And so it's it's a matter of, asking these people to sit at the table with me and to pull it. And if, if I can't make a seat at the table for them, pull up their own dang seat and make their own seat at the table. Yeah. But, but Joseph, my history book mentions Martin Luther King Jr. That's critical race three right there. We have to ban it. Yeah. No. You know, I, I have to say I went up to a monument for their 4th of July festival and I spoke with someone and he said, well, I want to know what's your opinion on CRT. And I said, CRT is a college course. CRT is a course that you are required to take if you're trying to become a lawyer or a judge or be go- do anything in law. CRT is a course you're required to take for that. CRT is not something that we actually teach in schools. Nope. You know, do we teach black history? Do we teach that slaves were owned by white people? Of course we do. Yes, yeah. we do. Because that's, that's history. <laughs> yeah. Do we sit there and teach that black people are arrested more than white people? Yeah, we do because that's or not enough, honestly. You know, and so that's that's the bottom line is we do we we need to teach in our schools factual, honest history. Mm-hmm. that's preparing our students. You know, the biggest thing I was always taught when I was coming up in school is plain and simple. If your education is making you feel, if you're comfortable in your education, you're not learning it, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I always be, have been brought up on that belief that education shouldn't make you 100% uncomfortable. No, obviously not. You shouldn't be sitting in a class like that. You feel like you're looking at blood and gore. I mean, yeah. if you enjoy blood and gore, yes. then okay. But, uh. you know, you should, you should not be sitting in a class being like, okay, I'm 100% uncomfortable with what's going on. But you should be sitting in a class looking at things and saying, okay, this is uncomfortable for me. Because, first of all, that takes you out of your box. Yeah, It helps you learn. It helps you grow. But second of all, again, if you're, if you're comfortable in there, it means that everything is being done for you. Mm-hmm. And that's not what should be happening in our education system. Right. No, we don't need we don't need to teach that, you know, slaves came to America willingly to, you know, 
because they were tired of being wherever they were. They, they wanted to come to America, yeah. you know, but, and then they had to pay off their debt, like indentured servants. Um, that's absolute, total and complete bullshit. And our kids need to be taught the actual truth about slavery. They need to be taught the actual truth about the continuing issues that the African-American community has when it comes to police, when it comes to housing, when it comes to, you know, getting into college, everything. That's, that's something that they need, that, that they should be aware of 100%. Right. And, you know, these parents are, these parents are yelling and screaming about, you know, well, this makes my kid feel bad for being white. We're kind of supposed to feel bad because we're white. Because if we feel bad, what our country has done. Yes. But because if we feel bad, then there's, there's so much more. It's easier to change when the oppressors feel shitty. Yeah. Because they're, they've been the oppressor. Um, you know, not always, obviously. I mean, you know, we have a, we have a, a huge history of, Again, whitewashing. America has a pretty big history of being shitty. Uh, yeah, it's that's kind of just. Yeah, it's not like we have to suck it down like a chocolate bar every single that's laced with I don't know rat poison or something. But we can acknowledge <laughs> it and use that to build something better. Yeah, and I think that's important that we touch on that. Emily, did you want to yeah. ask the question? Ooh, the question. I mean, we obviously already know the answer to the question, but <clears throat> so. One of the questions that we've been asking everyone that we've spoken with is what happens if you don't win this election? Are you going to quit? Or are you going to run for something else? You know, my full intention is if I, if I don't win this election, you know, I have to see, um, as I stated before, I have not got, um, finished my college degree. Thankfully where I am currently employed at, um, uh, they will actually pay for my college education. Yep. And so my intention is to go back to school. So if I don't lose this election, either A, I'm going to go back to school and finish getting my college degree because I, like I said, I've started. I just never finished. Um, and I'm going to go back and finish getting my degree. Um, or option B is I will run for office again. Um, either way, whether I do option, if I do option A, I will be running for office again in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to at least focus on my college education first. Yeah. Um, before I run for office again in the future. Um, but uh, if next year I do, if like I said, I'm either going to go back to school or I'm going to uh, be running for the school board of district 11 um, mm-hmm. and bringing forth the concerns and the facts of uh, uh, director Jason Jorgensen and director uh, Al Loma and uh-huh. uh, racism, homophobia, xenophobia, transphobia, all the phobias, yeah, all of them. <laughs> yes, there's so many yep. phobias involved. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's and, and honestly because as we've we have asked everyone and the answers pretty much across the board seem to be that okay, if I don't win in this one, then I might have to do another thing first, but I'm definitely going to run for office again. Yeah. And which is what we need. One of the reasons that, you know, we're looking at the fact that Stephanie B. Hill stands such a good chance of, of winning her, you know, winning, winning her race is because this, she's done this. What is this? Her second or this third is her run? Second, Nick? This is her second yeah. run. Yeah. 
So, you know, getting out there and, and the name recognition and the face recognition, just because people You got to build are, a brand. Well, not only that, but honestly, <clears throat> when, when people sit down with their ballots, people tend to be kind of stupid. <laughs> so if they, but if they see a name, they recognize, they're like, oh yeah, this one, I recognize this name. This is, you know. And, and they don't always remember why they remember the name. They just know they remember the name. They saw the sign. Yeah. And it opened up their eyes. They saw the sign. <laughs> sign. <laughs> Shush. <laughs> My Get goodness. Get started. <clears throat> but yeah, you, the, the idea is that, yeah, you run again because in other positions, sure, your people build up this brand. They do it once. And then, and this is your, like, you, you did District 11 twice. You, you This is your first going to state. But it sounds mm-hmm. like education and trying to affect that those changes are kind of what you're focusing on aside from obviously your yeah. collegiate education yeah you know i'll just keep running until i become secretary no, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's how yes that's how it works eventually they just it's just an honorary position it's like you're just gonna have a position that they give you just whatever's left over here just be governor joseph well did you have any did you have any, or Emily, did you have any final questions? Oh, I don't know if you hear me. Emily, did you have any final questions? Uh, uh, no, I do not, actually. Excellent. I think we've pretty much covered, um, yeah, I think we've pretty much covered everything. I did want to, ah, oh, crap, I closed out the page. No. Anyway, so no, I guess I have no further questions. <laughs> Joseph, did you have any last remarks as we're like now a week and change? From actually, when this goes up, it'll be eight days from election day. Eight days from election. Yeah. Uh, What 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 are your what's your last moment plea to to people to vote for you? You know, I just got to say, let's remember the fact that Steve Durham has not shown up in our community. Uh, Let's remember the fact that Steve Durham has been in the State Board of Education for the last eight years. Prior to that, he was a lobbyist. Prior to that, he was has been in politics since 1977. He was actually part of Ronald Reagan's uh, administration as the Environmental Protection Agency representative mm-hmm. for this area. Steve Durham has not shown up in our community through the times that he's been elected in office. He hasn't worked with us as the community. Um, and it's one thing to have an elected official who holds you in mind. It's another thing to have an elected official who's going to bring you and go with you in hand. Yep. You know? I'm that type of person who's going to promise right here, right now, not only am I going to hold you in mind when I'm making votes for the State Board of Education, I'm going to hold you by my side, by your votes through the community council, by your talks through the community council, by your opinions through the community council. I'm going to bring forward the belief of the people with the people. I'm not going to say this is my opinion. I'm going to say this is my community's opinion. Mm-hmm. And airplane is flying over me right now. Yay. <laughs> So, you know, I'm going to make this a, it's not a campaign um, by the people or for the people, but it's a campaign with the people. And so, um, again, I just say, you know, I'm candidate number one on the ballot, top line. Um, I would love everyone's support. You know, it's a chance to make change and actually make improvements inside of our education system that are not politicized, that are not one's views, and that are not one personal view. 
Um, it's time that we make those changes. It's time that we bring forward a new belief and a new education system. And it's time that we build a system that is focused for the future of our students. So I appreciate you guys allowing me to be Yay. here. Yep. It was very well said. Anytime, Thank you. If any time anybody wants to talk further, feel free to check out my website at sheltonforco.com. And yeah. Definitely. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just going to shift this around. Well, thank you thank for being you for able coming. to come on. Absolutely. Yes, coming and chatting with us on our very, very professional podcast. That's right. As I'm shifting things around and all that fun stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, com- thanks for coming on, Joseph. And uh, yeah, thank good you. luck. <laughs> well, there we go. That was our interview with Joseph Shelton. <coughs> um, ta-da. Yeah. Ta-da. He's got a, a week or so. I hope if you haven't cast your ballots yet, obviously you should be casting your ballots, uh, but make sure you get some extra bubbles in there. Make sure you yes. know what the right people to, to, to pick in there. So mm-hmm. uh, good chat. Uh, I think that's the, like yes. the longest I've chatted with Joseph too. Yeah. And, uh, we had some fun. I think you heard yes. it. We had fun. We always do. Not until we don't. Oh. Mm. We are nothing if not hilarious most of the time and sometimes with Dracula (laughs) (laughs) those are our choices hilarious or Dracula yeah okay because Dracula is not inherently funny but if you laugh at him I mean that's just secondary to the whole thing okay all right Emily do you want to get us out of here (laughs) yes yes I do actually (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay okay (laughs) professional 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 (sighs) are you done no (laughs) (laughs) oh jesus all right badly needed and long overdue is a podcast about shaking things up in a conservative city this show was hosted by nick raven and emily lewis it's me you can watch the video version of this show on YouTube and listen to us in podcast form on every single one of your favorite podcast platforms. Our theme music is by the Knockblockers. They're a local ska band. Very awesome. Highly recommend you go find them on social media and see if you can catch a live show where they also do a longer version of our theme song. You can also reach us on a whole bunch of different social media platforms like Instagram, Badly Needed Podcast on Twitter at Badly Needed COS on Facebook at Badly Needed and Long Overdue Podcast and on TikTok, which is Nick's favorite uh-huh. at at B-N-L O Podcast. Excellent. We are Badly Needed and Long Overdue. Turn in your ballots. Yes. Come on, get out the vote. Participate in our democracy and we'll see you next time. Oh, Jesus. <laughs>